Hi, and welcome to the Everyday Friar podcast. This podcast will be at times an audio journal, a history lesson, or a devotional. My name is Joseph. You can reach me at everydayfriar at gmail.com. That's everydayfriar at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. It's kind of funny. I have lived in Nampa for almost a year now with my wife. And I feel like I'm only now an official Nampa resident because I now have a Nampa public library card. Well, my wife and I went to the library on Saturday, which was quite fun. Got a couple books that were of interest, including one um, called Monk Habits for Everyday People, I believe. Um Anyway, it had a quote in there that I ever liked um, saying, Samuel said, speak, Lord, for thy servant is listening. We more often say, listen, Lord, for thy servant is speaking. And I think that kind of encapsulates a theme that was going through the whole book. The book's written by a Protestant uh, professor of theology, I believe. And he became somewhat enamored of Benedictine spirituality while on a retreat from his college uh, onto a Benedictine monastery campus. Um, something he talks about a lot is silence and humility, which makes sense because those are hallmarks of benedictine spirituality but i really do think that the two go hand in hand and, he, and he's uh he's on the right track there especially that to be humble to, to demonstrate humility requires you to be silent at times at least if you are in a conversation and you're constantly speaking over someone if you're in a conversation and you are monopolizing the conversation, that's not showing humility to the other person. Um, silence is especially important because silence demonstrates and, and says, silence says something, wow, that's funny. Um, silence says that the other person has something to teach you. You can learn from something that they're going to say or at least that what they're saying is important enough for you to listen to. Another part that I kind of liked, even though it's a little kitschy, maybe uh, weird in some other aspects, but the author was making the observation of how silly a question is that you um, is, and, and, uh, like when you're out and about and you run into an old friend or something like that, and you blurt out, is that you talking about how silly that question is? Because of course it is. Now, the quote that I liked that, that he said about it is, well, in some respects upon being asked, is that you, you could respond not yet, but someday. Because we're all on this 
path of sanctification, um, all of us believers anyway. And that means that we're not truly who we are going to be in fullness yet. If we're going to become more like Christ day after day, and well, speaking for myself at least, I'm certainly far from it now, then that must mean that who I am, who I truly am supposed to be, and in some ways to I truly am entirely, is not who I am today. Another kind of cool concept that he introduced me to in this book was the idea of crockpot Christianity. Um, I think that especially my generation, I feel like has a bad reputation of church hopping and church shopping. Crockpot Christianity is the idea that you're going to grow more if you sit and stew in one place for a while. Um, this applies to church small groups, churches at large, things like that, because until you learn to get along with people, you're not going to do too much growing. Well, if you keep hopping churches, you're never going to have to learn how to get along with people. He brought this in because Benedictines, uh, Benedictine monks take a vow of stability. They don't leave the monastery that they make uh, the profession of their vows in, which is incredible and a little crazy, but incredible um, to be with the same community of believers for the entirety of your life or remainder of your life at least is something that would develop um, some skills within you. Yeah, you're a little isolated, so you don't have to deal with too many newcomers potentially, but at least that's my understanding. But being the deep relationships that you would develop means that, you know, any hurt is magnified and, and the goodness of those relationships, those friendships is magnified as well because it does go so deep. It's not just surface level stuff. Switching gears a little bit. One of my favorite bands is Me Without You. Um, spelled all as one word. They, uh, they have quite a few pretty amazing songs, but one song in particular that was sticking out to me this past couple of days was uh, Messes of Men. Uh, first song off of Brother Sister, one of their albums. And the reason why it was sticking out to me was it has this line in it that says, if ever you come near, I'll hold up high a mirror. Lord, I could never show you anything as beautiful as you. And I was thinking about that in context of sanctification and 
what it means to be a living sacrifice. In some ways, I think that um, being a living sacrifice and, and and that process of sanctification are, are kind of the same thing because as a living sacrifice, you're giving up yourself to become more like Christ. And, and that's the whole process of sanctification as well, is that you're, you're continually becoming more Christ-like day by day. And then I think about that line in the song about holding up high a mirror because there's nothing as beautiful as God. Well, if we want to give those we love good gifts and we love God, so therefore we want to give God good gifts, what better gift than to give him himself back as ourselves, which sounds weird and I don't know. I'm still working out the semantics of that, but uh, I think that becoming more Christ-like and then offering that back to God is a way of saying, God, there's nothing better than you, so I'm going to become like you to give myself back to you. I just, I really like that concept, even though it's weird and difficult to get my head around the other book that i got at the library was surprised by hope by nt wright that one i haven't finished quite yet so i'll probably have more thoughts in an upcoming episode but something i really appreciate was his candidness and uh, willingness to just talk about the goodness of things on earth. You know, there's kind of these opposing ideals sometimes, as even within Christianity of, oh, the world's terrible, we're all going to die. It's kind of like an agnostic ideal almost of um, the physical is bad, the spiritual is good. And then on the flip side, you have this very materialistic everything's good, we're trending upwards, you know, some sort of cultural evolution is happening where humans get more moral every day somehow. And he firmly rejects both those camps, but doesn't deny the goodness of some things here on earth, which I really appreciated. Um, it's just, it's, it's all too easy to think that, you know, everything's gone downhill and there's no hope left, but there is goodness and it is worth fighting for. That said though, um, it brings to mind another me without you song lyric that, uh, is talking about a house fire and goes something like, uh, and the smoke said, we're not half as bad as God is good. 
which is another lyric that I really like. Forgive me for not knowing the song off the top of my head. Um, but in response, I would also maybe add that any goodness that we have here is not half as good as God is good. I know that's not really the point the song's trying to make is that, you know, no evil is nearly as intense as the goodness of God on the opposite spectrum. It's not a spectrum, but anyway. But just the infinite goodness of God in an eternal sense is so much greater and so much more magnificent than anything we can ever experience here in this broken and marred version of creation. But that does give hope for new creation, what the new heaven and new earth will be like. If God is as good as he is, then surely when he recreates everything, then that can be just as good as it was in the beginning. Uh, even better. I think that'll do it for this episode of Everyday Friar. Until next time, peace and goodness to you, friends.